sometimes I feel. I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata, buona serata, buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a match, did you? You don't have to get a match, did you? Attaccare! <laughs> what an enthusiastic intro to today's uh, show. It's been how many days now? Three days. Three and a bit days now, actually, since that fateful morning or evening in Palermo. Um, hello, yes, you're listening to the Euro Show here on FNR. <laughs> um, I'm still not over it. And I know this sounds like more like, you know, like I'm sitting on the couch of therapy right now and talking about how, you know, how upset I am about all this. But my word, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that Italy are not going to the World Cup again. Again. You know, again. And it is absolutely painful. So I thought... Today, it's it's not necessarily we're going to talk about the actual match. We're going to have an, a eulogy to the European champions who fell just oh so painfully. Um, we're going to let Andrea Bocelli do the work from here, and we're going to sit back and listen. Um, Josh, I know that you were amongst the Macedonian fans on Friday morning, and you had a great morning. They were up and about, Nick. They were up and about at BT Connor Reserve. You know, as that game wore on, I knew it was going to happen. It was like, if the goal doesn't come soon, they're going to jag this somehow. (laughs) They're going to jag this somehow. And you know when you watch a goal and it seems like it's happening in slow motion? Mm. So when the long ball came and it fell to Trankovsky... My heart dropped because I knew what was happening next. And the second it came off his boot and it flew past Donnarumma, there was this moment, it was probably about five seconds, but it felt like ten minutes, um, where I just dropped my head into my hands and um, there was like no, nothing for, on my phone at all at that point. Mm. But then everyone caught up and my phone just went gangbusters. <laughs> I can't even describe to you the messages I was getting, Josh. And uh, I went straight in the settings. I muted every app. <laughs> every app. And, oh my goodness, it was... I, I couldn't process it. I was like, this is this is nuts. <laughs> How? Like, nine, eight, eight, eight months ago. Almost nine months ago, you know. Me and then Lockie Flanagan, who's out there, and... and about, I don't know, 7,000 other people were congregating on Ligon Street, celebrating, downing the English, winning the European Championship. And now we're not even going to the freaking World Cup. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> we haven't won a knockout game since the final of 2006. We've won one game since then. <laughs> we went out in the group stage in 2010. We went out in the group stage in 2014. We got humbled by Sweden. 
And then we lost against Macedonia and Palermo. We had 30 shots. They had three. <laughs> 30, 32 shots. 32 shots. Bernardi had an open goal. Like, what was he doing? It was like, what that was a, just... That was a gift. Just, and when that gift was not accepted, you knew something, something yeah. was in the air. Like, why did you just not put your bloody foot through it, for God's sake? Just smack it, for God's sake. Bang the ball in, in the, the back, back of the, of the net. In the back of the net, Domenico. Come on. Like, just bang that ball in. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm, You're out of words? Yeah. I, I, got, I, I thought I was over it. Mm. I spent Friday at home all day. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to anyone for a while, but then it became like this period. It was like the stages of grief. So there was the processing element of just me... Of the denial of, of me, isolating yourself. Of me laying in bed, literally processing this entire period, to then becoming speaking to every Italian fan possible and anyone who would listen about what went wrong, what we need to do to go forward. Yeah, get that stupid filter off. I mean, everything that you could possibly think of, everything that you could possibly think of went wrong. Everything. And now, you know, oh, just... And then, yeah, I, I, I thought it was all gone, and I go to work yesterday, I'm in the box, and had to sit next to Jay Lynch for seven hours, and he was giving it to me on and off. <laughs> I had to keep getting reminded. Pakua walks in and goes, how are you feeling, Nick? I'm like, I'd just forgotten about it, Pakua. I go out to lunch with my family on Sunday and I have family members who I had no idea even like the beautiful game saying, huh, you guys not going to the World Cup again. I'm not on you got to bring that up. I am, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm so upset. I, I don't know what to say. Actually, no, I've got a lot to say about where this national team is going and all the issues and everything that went wrong. But mm. my, f- excuse my language. My God, it was shambolic. But you know what, Josh? Mm. You were at BT Connor, is it? I was. And i got to say, as I said last week, if Macedonia beat Italy, I want Macedonia now to go all the way and make the World Cup. And I couldn't help but watching those videos, I couldn't help but smile at that because it was nice to see that moment amongst mm. the fans, see how happy they were and everything else. And for, for a small nation achieving such a big, big feat, it was still pretty cool in that aspect. But well, it just had to happen against us. You have no idea how, how the mood of the room shifted over the course of the 90 minutes. Everyone was bleary-eyed early in the morning. Yeah. You know, a lot of them are going to off going off to work straight afterwards. You know, it's a big commitment. Yeah, it is a <laughs> big know, commitment. Some, some of the old blokes were sinking beers, but the most people were on the coffees and the egg yeah. and bacon rolls. And there was a sense of kind of despondency of, uh, you know, we're very scared about this game. They weren't getting the hopes up. They were scared of, of mm. getting the hopes up. And I think there was a moment in the lateness in the first half where they actually got a shot on target. Yeah. And I had a static cam on the crowd. And uh, one guy, Zoran, who does the uh, tech stuff uh, for us there, was celebrating. He was actually punching the air in the background because uh, it was a shot on target. He just thought that was as good as it was going to get that morning. Yeah. Uh, but as the second half went longer and longer and longer and Italy kept missing chance after chance after chance, there was just a sense of we could actually do this. We just need one. We just need one moment. And if you look at the stats, 
yes, Italy obviously dominated. 66% possession, 565 passes to just over 300 for Macedonia, 32 shots to four. But the XG per shot was is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. So Macedonia, the chances that they did generate... Were bloody good chances. Were... Actually, no, they weren't good chances. Italy's chances were not good. It's a reflection of just how poor a lot of the Italy shots actually were. They were peppering the goal from outside the area, but there were only a couple of clear-cut chances in the whole lot. Mm. They did enough to win, I think, on most days. You know, XG of two should should get you at least one goal on most days. But, you know, Friday wasn't that day. And Macedonia through Tchaikovsky, who... Could have signed for Melbourne victory in the offseason, would That's you believe? That's right, yeah. He was linked with the club. They went for Majota instead. Isn't that symbolic? <laughs> Quite symbolic. Well, I don't know if he turned them down or they turned but him down. It's like it's symbolic. The, Mas- the Italian signed over the Macedonian in the end. And the Macedonian, <laughs> it is, then it that is. player then goes on to knock off Italy. And you've got, a ma- you've got an Italian who can't hit the side of a barn door and this versus this... Lethal goal scorer from well outside the penalty area. Can I just add, this is not the first time he's done this to Italy because <laughs> in the last qualification phase, he scored a late equaliser in Turin, which knocked Italy out of top spot in that group. Mm. So Italy had to go through the playoffs. Funnily enough, Trankovsky is a former Palermo player as well. <laughs> he knows where the goals are, mm, Terenzo Barbera. He does. Um, but you mentioned a good point, Josh. I saw a lot of people saying on Twitter, oh, my God, how did we not score? We have 30-plus chances. Bob Berardi, you know, not putting his foot through that ball. Italy barely created a good chance. Mm. There were a lot of near misses yeah. and the ball swung across the six-yard box. And no one will get – there was, like, no one making a late run. You know, mm. there was a lot of, you know, just terrible, terrible play inside the box. And that summed up Italy to a T. Italy were shocking. Shocking. Their mentality was shocking going into the game. I remember reading stuff saying they're not going to play Chiellini and Bonucci because they're going to rest them for Wednesday. The same attitude they had heading into Sweden. Oh, we're going to knock off Sweden. We're going to be fine. No worries. Like, yeah, we'll go to Stockholm and get a nil-nil draw. We'll go back to Milan and we'll be fine. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. We're Italians. We like to make things more dramatic. What happened there? Can see the deflected goal in Stockholm, go back to Milan, pepper the goals there, and don't score. Miss Russia. They come here after the Euros. Like, before the Euros, their qualification phase was flawless. They were playing some brilliant football. After that, complete complacency. First game after the Euros, draw against Bulgaria at home. Italy never drop points at home. That's one thing you've got to remember. Mm. Italy losing a qualification game at home is a... Like losing that game, it was the first qualification game they've lost. They've actually lost at home in years. And as well, you look at the games leading into that, the two Switzerland games, Jorginho missing penalties, Jorginho not putting his ego aside in that game in Rome, deciding to take the ball off Berardi and skying it over the bar when he really shouldn't have been taking that penalty. And then they go into this game. And I remember after, you know, the Northern Ireland draw, and a lot of the pundits saying, I think it was actually Del Piero who said it. He was on ESPN and he goes, we'll get there. He goes, there's problems. We'll get there. We're, as, as, as I alluded to earlier, we're Italians. We mm. like to make things more dramatic. We do it the Italian way. You saw how he won the World Cup. You saw how he won the Euros. We love to do it the dramatic way. That's not an excuse. Mm. 
that's actually trying to, you know, come up with some sort of cop-out. Oh, we love the story. No, it's just crap football. And to be honest, you know, maybe the Euros was a bit of a false dawn. I thought Italy played well at the Euros. They rode the wave of emotion. They played some brilliant football in some of those games. But in the knockout phase, there's only won one game in 90 minutes. Austria went to extra time. Spain went to penalties. Mm. England went to penalties. They probably should have beaten England and Austria in normal time. They had the chances to win those games. But against, against Spain, they were peppered, man. Against Belgium, that was the only game in that period where they actually looked like the dominant team. So you look at this game against Macedonia, you think about the bad attitude, you think about the selections. We're not even talking about just the, some of the terrible selections. Let's talk, let's talk Mancini and his yes. inflexibility. That's the number one thing about it. He sticks to this 4-3-3, which, is, which has a very predictable sort of game style. They love to go down the wings. They love to get crosses into the box. They try and play Chiro Immobile as a hold-up striker, which does not work, and we've learned that for a very long time. There's an over-reliance on Verratti to create and also on Barella to make late runs. And Barella has been in the worst form of his career over the past few weeks. Insigne has been out of form. Immobile, despite scoring in Serie A, stats pads against the worst teams, doesn't do much else, doesn't play well in a front three as a lone number nine. He decides to go with his favourites from the Euros as well, with guys like Alessandro Florenzi at right back, who is Milan's number two right back, while their number one right back, Davide Calabria, is at home. Doesn't even get selected at all. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. He picks... I know this is real low-bearing fruit, and I don't want to say Donnarumma's a bad goalkeeper, but Donnarumma has been in terrible form. I mean, he Horrendous was form. responsible for PSG's... Champions and he was responsible for that goal as well. His positioning was abhorrent. He was caught completely off guard. Mm. And you think about how he's been playing for PSG. I know it would be rich to say, oh, they should have started somebody else. But for God's sake, he was not up for it. They play Gianluca Mancini, who is not a very... I'm being brutally honest. He's not a great centre-back. And he got caught out. Jorginho's defensive... I don't know what he was doing for that goal, letting the ball bounce. Like, that is some of the worst play I've seen from a number six ever. And I, I rate Jorginho very highly. You know I've had mm. arguments, Athos, about Jorginho v. Declan Rice plenty of times. Mm. But some of his defensive flaws really came to the surface in that. Mm. But the, the living and dying by the 4-3-3 is what concerned me the most. The game was on the line and something needed to be changed. Maybe throw another number nine and partner Immobile up with, with someone else, which, hey, it would actually work. Didn't do that. He turns to, you know, guys like Jao Pedro for his first game. I like Jao Pedro, don't get me wrong. But this wasn't, this wasn't, you know, the sort of game you want to be throwing him in. He should have started someone like Lorenzo Pellegrini or Sandro Tonali ahead of Barella. He didn't. Barella dropped a, a, a disaster class. Mm. And, you know, just this, this sticking with the guys, his, his trusted troops, despite how poorly they've been playing at league level, just sums up Mancini's sort of flaws as a manager. I think Mancini should stay on. That's one thing I want to make very clear. I think that he should stay on and be given the opportunity to, to wipe the slate clean. The plan to potentially bring in Cannavaro and Marcello Lippi as the technical director is a terrible idea. I don't rate Cannavaro as a manager at all because I just don't think he's proven himself yet. I think, you know, if you're going to replace Mancini, the only guy that can come in to replace Mancini for me, there's only two people, Roberto De Zerbi or bringing back Antonio Conte. You're not bringing back anybody else. If you want to get wins... Stefano Pioli? 
I don't want him leaving my life. Uh, anyways. <laughs> but, 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 but you know, taking he's put, that he's put, element he's out of it. He's put the case forward. He's put the case forward as Which well. Which we didn't think was going to be the case no. when he signed for no. Milan, but he's really turned his reputation yeah. around. But the thing is, it's like this living and dying by that system ultimately came back to bite them. And the selections and everything else, I know that if they had Skamaka, who was injured, that didn't help them. I know they had some other players out too. But Jesus Christ, you just could see the attitude wasn't there. I thought if Italy got an early goal, I thought, Great. They'll, they'll get an early goal and this game will be over. Like They, they mm. will wipe the floor with Macedonia if they get that early goal. But you knew the longer the game went on, the more frustrated they got, and you could see it happening. And if it wasn't going to happen then, it was probably going to happen in extra time. If it didn't have an extra time, I reckon they would have stuffed it in penalties. So you know what? They they have basically been the masters of their own downfall in this, in this instance. And I don't know what's going to happen going forward heading into 2024. I don't think Italy need the clean out like they needed after the Sweden disaster because they had a lot of players move on, guys like uh, De Rossi and Buffon. They need, though, however, in some areas, to really look at moving some guys on. I'm talking Ciro Immobile. I'm talking Giorgio Chiellini. I think the reliance on a 37-year-old at centre-back, if you're still relying on him and not getting the case. What was that, sorry? He didn't start. No, this no, game. but I think like Chiellini, Bonucci. I think they need to move past. They need to find a new centre back pairing from somewhere. Bastoni. And well, this was going to be the last go round in Qatar this year. Yeah, oh, I think Bonucci out. would have gone again. He's still thirty four, but I think relying on him as the guy, I think they've got to look to move past him. You know, they've you saw how much they've missed Spinazzola at left back, but they also need to find someone else who's going to lead this line, and I think they need to change system too. And they also, I think this is a big call. I think they need to move past Lorenzo Insigne as well. Okay. I think the fact now he's got he's going to the MLS. We obviously know now he's he's into that stage of his career. He's he's moved past, you know, he doesn't obviously European football's not a worry for him. Right now it's about, you know, setting himself up for life. He's going to Toronto, he's gonna to enjoy the rest of his career. But you know what? I don't want him playing for the national team. If he doesn't wow. perform or if he's not if he's gonna play for the national team, I don't want him starting. There are guys, Giacomo Raspadori, Federico Chiesa when he's fit, Nicolo Zagnolo. Other players, like I saw this thread from Carlo Garganese talking about the lack of Italian young players. That is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever seen because he's looking only at teenagers. Mm. Teenagers aren't playing in most leagues, and those teenagers he's pointing to in the Bundesliga and in La Liga are players like in the Bundesliga who they've bought from other clubs, guys like Jude Bellingham, who was already getting minutes at Birmingham. He's comparing them to Pedri and Gavi. We know what Barcelona have been doing. They love to give the kids a go. It's different mm. there. A lot of the kids and they've in got Italy, a wage cap at the moment. A lot of the kids in Italy, they get their opportunities around 19, 20. He's not looking at that gap of about 19 to 23, this real promising core that are coming through in midfielders, in attackers that are starting to to blossom. He's only looking at a very small sample size. So for me, there are players to come through. The only area for me that concerns me is, I spoke about ushering on Chiellini and Bonucci, is still at centre-back. Because we saw it today, you know, Romagnoli hasn't come through. He hasn't come through and had the impact. He should be the guy that should be taking the next step and really taking the mantle as the next centre-back for Italy with Bastoni. We didn't see Rugani take that step. The centre-back stocks are very light. But everywhere else is Mm. fine. It's just there. But there's got to be a change in mentality. There really has to heading into 2024. It's clear to me that Immobile is incompatible with this system. Yeah, and and it has been for a while. Yeah, and apparently he's retiring from international football. They, well, there you go. I mean, they, yeah. they got by with him at the Euros. And he shouldn't have played at the Euros. Yeah. He had one good game against, mm. I think it was against Switzerland. He scored a double. Mm. Um, 
all the other games, he was very much anonymous and he's missed a lot of good chances in those games The incision as well. in that team came from players like Insigne yeah, Chiesa and, and Chiesa. Transition moments. Berardi in some games played yeah. very well. It was, it was usually from the wingers. Mm. The striker in that system doesn't get the chance to face forward as, as much as Immobile would like. So, I mean, obviously he's retiring. Who inherits that Scumaka. position? Scamacca. He's the most talented Italian striker they've had since Balotelli. Naturally talented. He, 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 if he was fit, he would have played. I believe that he would have played. He would have started as well. It was, was there a way for, for Mancini to accommodate Immobile more effectively? Maybe changing... Playing with two up top. Or, or even playing with a number 10, just closer to him, and someone that's, like Pellegrini. That's what I thought Pedro was selected, because he plays the 10 for Cagliari. I mm. genuinely thought... The reason why they're playing Jao Pedro, is, not, yeah, Jao Pedro, not yeah. Roma Pedro. No, no, no. They were going to play Jao Pedro as a 10 in, in the second half, this is, and change and maybe go to a diamond and play Pedro in behind and maybe go Berardi and uh, Immobile up top. Or maybe they would go with Raspadori and Immobile up top. I thought that would have been more effective having him playing with somebody else because he thrives in those moments playing off the shoulder. He's a quick, mm. he's a quick forward. Yep. He's a poacher. He's not a guy who's going to come receive the ball. He has got a terrible first touch. Is he, is he uh, Italy's Jamie McLaren? Oh, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> but, I mean, their records are, at club level very similar. That's what I say. Yeah, but, similar profile. Yeah, the only, the only, yeah, the only difference similar is... Similar club records, not actually, successful yeah, for the no, national no, team. No, it's not a bad actually, comp, yeah, is actually, it? Is, yeah, that, that actually is a good point. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, in this system as well, the perfect play for this would have been someone like Belotti, and it was proven at the Euros as well because Belotti is a great hold-up striker. Mm. He's very physical, good in the air as well. Immobile is not that. I think that... You know, if Italy are going to move forward, if Immobile, even if he doesn't retire and he sticks around, because to be honest, if he's going to keep scoring the way he does at club level, he's going to keep getting selected by Mancini. But he can't be the main number nine anymore if he's going to stick with the four-three-three, And I don't see it changing. I wanted to go back to that development pipeline issue that you have. And I, I concede that that's a skewed sample if you're only looking yeah. at teenagers. But is there a, a kernel of truth in it? In there that, is a little in bit that, in that Italian clubs tend to give the opportunities later. Yeah, that they, there is this historical uh, tendency to blood youth later than some of the other clubs do, and and yeah. older players still. It is the case that older players tend to play longer in Serie A rather than other leagues where they're forced to retire earlier. Well, I'll tend to con- I'll, I'll concede on that point to an extent, in the sense that. You have to remember when you're comparing, as you mentioned, the Serie A to Bundesliga compared to La Liga, mm. players can play for longer in Serie A because of just the general way the game's played. It's a lot more technical. It's not as taxing on the legs. You know, yeah, you see guys, look look how many players have come back from, say, the MLS, like players like River or even Ribery prolonging his career at Salernitana, Nani coming back and playing for Venezia. Look at Zlatan, 40 years old and still doing a job in Serie A. You know, we see players really have long careers in Serie A because of, that's just how the league is. It just happens. But there is that trade-off, as you mentioned. So a lot of these young guys have to go to Serie B. They have to go to Serie Chair. They have to go on loan deals and have to get minutes. Is that, that, is that an outdated Do you know the only team mentality? That the, I think so to an extent. Mm-hmm. To an extent. There's only one team that really gives the kids a proper crack, and that's Roma. Roma, one of the only teams recently that have actually started to give minutes. I know and a lot about, of them aren't Italian players. Yeah, players. That, that is also the other issue. So guys like Felix Afenijan, Christian Volpato, <laughs> Eduardo Bove, 
These players have all seen minutes this year because there's been that opportunity. And Roma... Well, Christian Volpato, well, is no, it? He saw, he saw half an he's hour. He's in the Italian youth team. He's in yeah, the Italian youth and, team. So and I guess so we have to count him now. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, now that, you know, Volpato, uh, because of all this thing about the future, maybe Italy need Volpato more than... That's, that's not true. There's there's a lot more water under that bridge, you know. There's a lot more that has to, to play out. But I do think as well that it would be good to see more of these kids getting opportunities. But it's hard at these big clubs, right? Because a lot of these big clubs as well, you've got to remember, teams like Milan, Inter, Juventus, especially Juventus. They tend to hoard players and have these <laughs> they, loan they armies and, and co-ownership. And well, that's, these... that's a thing of the past now. Thank okay, God. Okay, well, Thank God. It used to be co-ownership. Now it's loans deals, with obligations yeah. to, to buy. buy and yeah. There's a lot of trading and shifting of these young players yeah. and big sort of farm team systems and, and well, armies of players. A lot of these loan. young players as well end up getting sold and have buyback clauses. So you see a lot of young. I can. There's been a lot of young Milan players, especially that have been sold. They either get say get sold to Ligon or to City B or to a lower City R club. But there's a buyback clause that's quite cheap. So once they mature and get those minutes, they're just farming them out on loans. They make a profit and then bring them back. You know because they can. So there's. It's an interesting one because with teams like Juventus and stuff, you have to remember as well with them. Their ambition, especially for Juventus, you put themselves in their shoes. Their ambition is not only to win Serie A, but it's to finally bloody win a Champions League. And they're not going to do that just with kids. They should be giving more kids minutes. Don't get me wrong. There are some very talented kids at Juventus that aren't seeing minutes. Um, guys like Luca Moretti especially comes to mind in a position in midfield that Juventus need to start farming in some youngsters. But this problem in terms of giving young kids moments when they're really young, giving them minutes, it's been a problem going way back. And it even started before, not even just with young Italians, it's been happening with a lot of players. You think about Pierre Aubameyang. He was in Milan's system mm. for so long. He never saw a minute. Mm. He gets sold to Saint-Étienne. He becomes, he becomes the player he is now. You know, he was stuck behind guys like Pato, who got brought in from at 17 to come into Milan. He got stuck behind, you know, Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic and guys like Bordiello and Ronaldinho. These sort of guys who got brought in over that period of time. So you don't see it as often because I think about the big clubs. You look at Inter, they're not playing too many kids right now. They're, they're probably the oldest team in the league. Juventus don't. Milan, the mm. only kid that sees minutes is mm. the son of the technical director, Daniel Maldini, and that's very rare. The only kid Milan really gave an opportunity to that I can think of that got a prolonged opportunity was Donnarumma, mm. 16 years old, thrown in and, nev- and they never looked back. So maybe, I think especially for some of the smaller clubs, but the one thing i got to remember with these smaller clubs as well, Josh, is these clubs are poor. We don't know what their youth team setups are like. Sure, We don't know how good these kids are. You know, have the, are, the, are these kids good enough to actually play in Serie A just yet? So it's it's a really, really hard one because the one thing as well that you've got to remember that's different between Serie A and these leagues too is that a lot of the poor clubs in Serie A are freaking poor. It's very different compared to the Premier League. It's different to La Liga. It's different to the mm. Bundesliga in that instance too. So where to now? Does Mancini stay in the job? I yep. mean, does he because he won the Euros, does he have enough credit in the bank to go again? Yeah, does he so. want to? I think so. I would be shocked. I think they would have sacked him already. Mm. I think they genuinely would have sacked him already. Ventura got, got the ass within like a day after sure. the Sweden thing. And Ventura, I'm sure, wherever he is. But it's a harder is, decision, right? It's very case. hard. It's very hard because he's literally won the Euro less than a year ago and he hasn't made the World Cup. So you can look at it from both aspects. And I think there is enough for him to go around again heading into the Euros in Germany in 2024. There is enough in the bank for him to just... For them to maybe say, okay, well, you don't get the you don't get this this train back on the tracks ASAP, and we're mm. talking a good start to qualifying. 
we're talking, you know, some green shoots in the next little bit. I genuinely think that if Italy don't start the next qualification phase with some sort of form, I wouldn't be surprised if we got stuck with the qualification phase. I think it's difficult for an international manager to build more than one great team. Mm. It is hard because think about it. You look back at some of the best teams, Josh, over the past, let's, let's go since 2000. Bar Spain from 2008 to 2012, how many teams have been able to do it beyond one cycle? Mm. Because Germany, 2014, then they, they, they really bombed out after that. Yeah, twenty twelve. I mean, you know, that, you know that. If you look at all of the the World Cup winners, I mean, Brazil failed in two thousand six. One hundred two failed in two thousand six. Italy won in oh six. Knocked out in group stage in twenty ten. Spain won it in twenty ten. Knocked, knocked out in the group stage in twenty fourteen. <laughs> Germany knocked out in the group stage. So in what's 2018. that going to say about France? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're potentially at the end. Of, well, I mean, players-wise, they shouldn't be at the end of their of their life cycle, but coaching-wise, they should be. Mm. I think it's it. The, 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 the Actually, it goes even further back than that. France, 98, knocked out in the group stage in 2002. 2002. It's an incredible pattern. The only team was, the last one was Brazil in 94, and then 98, they made the final. Yep. And obviously, we all know what happened in that final with Ronaldo and, you know, the fact that they well, I don't think we do know what happened in that final. No, I think no, that's no, the well, issue. Yeah. But yes, but, I can take yeah, your point. It, but it's, it is an interesting one because it's like you have to capitalize in that point because I feel like this was it for Italy mm. to an extent. In that they've, got the, they've got the cattle. There's no issue about cattle in most areas. But it's whether, you know, can they do it again with the same system because teams become predictable. Teams need to adapt. Teams need to change. Teams worked out Spain. Teams worked out Germany very quickly. Mm. France got worked out at the Euros this year very quickly, last year very quickly as well. Italy got worked out now as well. So you know what? It, it's just international football is a weird beast, Josh. Teams don't play as regularly, so the sample size is not as mm. great. Sure. So it's hard to almost change system as well in the same coach because you don't get as much time with them. I do think, though, look, if Mancini got sacked, if he did, and say they brought someone in who would be able to give Italy a bit of bit of something new. I would love to see Desert be given the keys. I would love it because that guy would make Italy the most exciting team that we have seen in a ever ever. Is he term- terminated his contract in? Ukraine? I don't know what the go is with him and Donetsk at the moment. I actually am not sure. I think he's still coach technically, but yeah. I don't. It's a tough one with him. But other than that, it gets because I don't think Sadi is going to be next. Conte's done it. I don't know if he'd want to go back. You know, then it really falls down to two other two others or three others. I mean, they want Cannavaro, but I think that's a, an emotional choice. I don't think that's a logical choice considering he's not coached in Serie A. He's been coaching in China and, you know, he's never actually coached in the big leagues. And coaching Guangzhou... Evan Grand. Is in the Chinese Super League, that's dying before our eyes. Well, it was when they were on top and before... You know, I think they're called, um, yeah, before they, they had the financial troubles mm. and everything, like uh, I, it wasn't as much of a challenge really because you just got so much spending power. Yeah. And it's you're basically relying on your foreign player recruitment and they had amazing foreigners like Anderson Talisco who were just miles and better you know, than the rest of the players had, in the league. They've had guys like, you know, Diamante <laughs> and they had uh, Giladino. They had a bloody good team. But yeah. but yeah, then it really comes down to two others. It's because Allegri's not going to get it. I, I do not want to see Allegri's calcio terismo in the in the in the national team. I know a lot of people do, mm. but him going backwards and going back to pragmatic football, I don't want to see it. Two other choices: as you mentioned Stefano Pioli or Simone Inzaghi. 
I don't think Inzaghi will because he's just coming at Inter. Mm-hmm. But Stefano Pioli has this ability. Look, for his tactical flaws, he's an unbelievable man manager. I think he also has at Milan got more out of, you know, they're more than the sum of their parts a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, we, we have little nitpicks here and there with midfield selections and so forth. But overall, I think he's you, have, you have to well say he's done a very good job. And he's been able to bring through a fairly inexperienced group of players and have a good balance of, you know, a few veterans with you know, quite a young, inexperienced team, at both in the sense of their age, but also, yeah. you know, coming into the Champions League for mm. the first time. You know, they were, they're a little bit undermanned, but he, he makes it work. And I think... When you've got that resourcefulness as an yeah. international manager, I think that's very useful because, of course, you can't, you don't have any spending yeah, power and, to sign anybody. And think about it, Mancini is never really in recent time. When you look at his club level, so I know he's a different mm. coach to what he was when he was at Inter at Man City. He's a much better coach than he was. He's back a different then. person. To be very honest. different. Metal, person mellowed too. out a yeah, lot. He's Man, a lot. He's a lot maybe more after zen. this. He might he's a lot have more a bit zen. of a relapse. Might see, we might see angry Roberto again, but um, you know, he's never really because. Pioli comes from very humble backgrounds. He had to work his mm. way through the pyramid. Like he came from City Chair, Serie B, coached a lot of mid-table Serie A teams. He coached Lazio for a bit. That was like an inter for a very small period of time. It didn't work out for him. He kind of had to go backwards to go forwards again. He almost got Fiorentina relegated before he went to Milan. And he's changed. Mancini's coached a lot of big teams. He's had a lot. He had bloody Man City backing him, so he could go and sign whoever he wanted. At Inter, mm. he had a lot of money. He had a lot of very good players as well, both times. Galatasaray, he had a lot of you know resources as well. So he's never really been in a situation where you know resources haven't been at the plenty. And I think that mm. Pioli does, as you said, very well with what he's got, and he's done that since day one at Milan. He has turned what was one of the worst Milan teams in history into title contender a team that right now with two months to go in the season they're on their way to winning the Scudetto equally you see what happens when an international coach wins a tournament is they usually decide when they leave yeah you know Yogi Lowe being the prime example of that mm. so we'll see what happens but yeah. uh, I think with leaving. a big big rethink before we go to a break I think I, I do want to salute Yes. few of the Macedonian players who really stood up to the occasion. Without Alfie Elmas as well. Exactly. That's one thing to exactly. remember. Yeah. They they were short of their best player. Um, Enes Bardi was, I think, outstanding in the moments where he could oh, get he the ball and influence the game. Yeah. He had a couple of mazy runs that cut through multiple players. Ademi shielding mm. the back four, I thought was unbelievable until he came off. Uh, obviously, the centre-backs, Velkovsky and, and, and Musliu, but Demis Trievsky in, in between the sticks was unbelievable. <laughs> and, you know, they've got a few players playing at a decent level now. He's at via, uh, Rio Vacano. So, mm. you know, they've got a few players playing in Spain. You know, they've got a guy at Dinamo. Alioski at left back as well exactly. was very good. You know, former Leeds left back. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think he can be suspect defensively. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't think Italy tested him enough. Uh, you, you go back to Florenzi being the selection at right back. Don't think he him playing there made the most of no. potential defensive frailty for Alioski, but he, he did play well. So you just got to salute this team and their yeah. defensive discipline and being able to just keep their heads when you're under siege for 87 out of 90 minutes. Um, look, there's a lot of belief in that team now. Can they do it again and beat Portugal? In Lisbon? It would with be, Elmas back? It would be incredible, but confidence is an amazing thing. Like Portugal... You never know. Portugal have got an anchor around their neck in uh, one man that they have to play no matter what, yeah. and they might be better off without him, but, you know... I've got, I've got a you prediction, can't, You can't Josh. drop him? I've got a prediction. Ooh. 
I honestly think this game is going beyond 90 minutes. Because yep. I think the armoured tortoise that is Macedonia <laughs> is going to keep him out if Ronaldo's on the pitch. I think they're going to frustrate the absolute living daylights out of him. I think the one player, there's a few players you've got to be worried about, but one guy who, when I went back and watched the highlights, that was very good for Portugal was Rafael Leal. Mm. Came on, got an assist, helped change that game when Turkey were pressing. He's one guy they've got to really look out for considering the form he's in. I think it might be a bridge too far for them, but if they could just stay in it, I would not put it past them. If they get through though, Josh, I've got to ask you this question. Does Goran Pandev come out of international <laughs> retirement? I feel like he has to. I feel like he's got to. Ooh, I for wonder. For one last dance. Retires for good after the World Cup. Just like, you know what, get mm. him out there. This is He doesn't even have to play. But Just have one, him there. One, one five-minute cameo yeah. substitute appearance, we're, I think. We're not talking Tim Cahill at Russia. Mm. We're talking this guy's still doing a job. He's actually doing all right for Padma at the moment exactly. in, in Serie B. It's not like he's playing poorly. And it's Goran freaking Pandev, for God's sake. This guy lives and bleeds this team. I, you got to do it. You got to do it. Just You have to. Like, if they get to the World Cup, realistically... They're going to probably go it, out. It's going to be tough to go out of the group. They're going to be happy to be there, let's yeah. say. It would be incredible for them to even get there. This, car, this country is smaller than Tasmania. It's mm. two million, less than two million people. They have as many people and as Italians have soccer players. An incredibly country. poor country as well. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of poverty and um, you know, young people without opportunities and so forth. So they've got incredible football culture, uh, but you know, sometimes the young players, they go off the rails. This is what I've yeah. been told anyway, they, you know, in terms of discipline and so forth because you know, they're not in a supportive environment. Mm. So it's incredible for them to be able to even put together a competitive national team, let alone knock off a superpower like Italy. It's very, very special. So whatever happens against Portugal, I think it's still an incredibly proud moment. I I hope they can do it again. I think Elmas coming back is a massive Massive, boost. And I don't think Portugal are better than the sum of their parts. I think they've got an incredible squad on paper, but still a little bit weak defensively. They're still playing Jose Font at centre-back. You know, this it's yep. a little bit leaky back there. I, Still, Ronaldo up front seems to dictate everything. I, I, I think Portugal are not as good on the pitch as they are on paper, yep. and therefore Macedonia have a chance. If they got there, Pandev out of retirement is a no-brainer. If he wants to do it, it's you've got to get him there. Yeah. Um, one last thing I just got to say. I hope that uh, Blagoja uh, Malevsky shaves his head. Because that hairline, I'm sorry, Blagoya, but there's a lot that is thinning bad. And I was noticed, it was so noticeable when he put his head down. I'm like, come on, man. I love you as a manager, but come on, this, it's time to go. In the words of, in the, words of the great, um, it, was, it wasn't Andy Tate, it was, who said the famous, it's time to go from Arsenal fan team. Yeah, he had a pretty, he did a pretty short haircut yeah. on the sideline. It was just like, it's got to all go though. I think I, I think he already has shaved it. It was yeah, just, it's it was just a bit thinning. of regrowth. It's growing back. It's a bit of regrowth, yeah. I think. Um, but yes, in terms of the rest of the games, we'll dive into the, all of that a little bit later. But to keep an eye on it, in terms of pointless games, Italy's actually playing again against Turkey because it's the losers that have to now go and play against each other in a meaningless friendly as well on Wednesday. So talk about just an it's like as pointless as a third, fourth place playoff really um, at the moment. But we'll leave it for there. We'll come back. We'll have a look ahead to this weekend. Club football's back. We'll talk a little bit about some of the other national teams that were in action. I want, I want to talk about Gareth Wales. Yes, Gareth Wales, stunning free kick, back in action, not playing golf, but this time potentially, potentially 
I don't want to say it because we've got a Scotsman out there who may have to play them in June when they meet again, if they can get past the Ukraine, that is. Come up against Scotland versus Wales. Maybe Wales are on their way to the World Cup. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe the Gareth Bale just playing for the national team might be the best way forward for the Welsh national team. I love it. about that a little bit later on. Back in a sec here on the Euro Show. It's in the order of Wales, Golf Madrid. It's in the order of Wales, Golf Madrid. Hoping Wales win it all. They go sink eighteen holes while ignoring all Sinton's calls. Wales, Golf Madrid. It's in the order of Wales, Golf Madrid. That is the Wales Golf Madrid Gareth Bale song that Josh has, you know, just brought in during the ad break for us to play. Yes, Gareth Bale is back scoring for Wales. A stunning free kick, sending Wales to the final game before qualification. Who do they play? Well, we're going to have to wait until June, Josh, because Scotland-Ukraine's initial playoff has been delayed to June due to obviously the situation unfolding in East Europe right now. Yep. Um, with the winner of that game... From I believe they're playing at Hampton Park, Lockie. Scotland, Ukraine, yep, at Hampton Park. We'll travel to the Millennium Stadium in June to take on Gareth Bale. Not Wales. Gareth, watch as you put it, Gareth Wales. Mm. I can't wait. He's copying it in Madrid at the moment. Oh, yeah, he is. Because apparently he missed the uh, the classic El Clasico yeah. Uh, due to a niggling injury. And then he comes and scores a free kick yeah. days later. And yeah. wouldn't have rubbed Jose Pedro all of the boys at El Chiringuito mm. up very well either. No, it, it was a bit controversial as it always is. He's an easy target, to be honest. Oh, yes. I'm a little bit defensive of him, you know. Uh, people are comparing Aiden Hazard to Gareth Bale. I'm saying in terms of their Real Madrid careers, Aiden Hazard could only hope to achieve what Gareth Bale has yeah. in terms of his decisive contributions in big games over the years. You think of that amazing goal he scored running... Over the touchline in the Copa del Rey 2018 final. Champions League final. Yes. Spectacular goals in Champions League finals. He was crucial in the uh, the Ancelotti final as well. Yeah. Um, back in 2017. Lisbon, I think. Uh, Not against earlier. Juventus. No, early, 2014. Yeah. Would have been. Yeah. 2014. Um, yep. La Decima. So uh, he's, he's, he should be treated as a club legend whose body has let him down. Not somebody whose priorities aren't straight yeah. and is an anchor around the you know, in the, the club's neck. The end of the day, they're the ones not letting him go. Exactly. Just I buy mean, him out, man. Exactly. <laughs> Just far out. You know, I mean, you know, you pay him all this money knowing his injury history. Yeah. I, maybe he's not as committed to the team as he could be because of how he's been treated. It's like a vicious cycle, mm. this thing. And he's always been a player who's been very aware of his body, but like we talk about storage, you know, not playing unless he's a hundred percent. Bale is a bit the same because you know, he, you get that complex when you've got so many muscle injuries in your yeah. career and, and so forth, you know, you don't want to risk it. And this is probably his last chance for relevance as a footballer. And the only thing he, he does cup. is relevant is play for Wales and to represent Wales, to take them to their first world cup in so many years when mm. even Ryan Giggs couldn't do it in his yeah. time as a player would be incredible. So, I can I can totally justify him saying, well, I've got a little niggling injury. I'm not going to play El Clasico because I don't want to do anything to damage my prospects of the one achievement that I can put to my name in, in the rest of my career because this is the only thing he's going to do for the rest of his career. At club mm. level, with the regular games, with the week-in, week-out rigmarole, his body can't handle it. Yeah, I don't think... Um, look... 
I'd be very curious to see where he ends up after this. We spoke about that mm. last week, about maybe his next move isn't even in Europe, maybe, because he had his Tottenham return, so he got that out of the way. Mm. Maybe there might be a go South around Hampton. at Southampton. I think, um, I think he should sign on a pay-as-you-play deal at Southampton mm. and with the understanding that at any time he can take a break and give his body a rest and that international football is his first priority. Yeah, or go play for Cardiff if they were to exactly. get promoted or Swansea, if, you know. If, if that doesn't work for Southampton because they play this high-pressing game, maybe yeah. he doesn't fit into that if Hasenhutl is mm. going to stick around there. So, you know, maybe you drop down a level. Yeah, go but play I, in the championship. I think, play in I the, think championship. the next club that signs him needs to know what they're getting into. Yeah, that's why it may be good for him to maybe go to the MLS or something like mm. that, you know. MLS or... He, oh, a Liga. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, if a certain a Liga club wants to put forward the cash... Mm. I mean, I think, right, looking right, at the storage example, I think okay. that would be a risky manoeuvre. What team would you like to... What, what team would suit Gareth Bale in the mm. A-League? Because let's be real, he's not going to play for the box office Jets because no. that system would destroy him. He's definitely not going to play for Melbourne City in their system. Well, we've seen with Andrew Naboo. It's like it'd be his hamstrings are hanging by. Dare I say it? Go west. <laughs> Life is peaceful oh, yeah. there. I could Go see and it. play in Ballarat every few weeks. And dear, dear and Gareth. No, nah, he wants to live imagine, in Europe. You'd want to live in Europe so you're yeah. close to the qualifiers. Imagine, imagine dear Gareth, Leo and Renee <laughs> on Alino's Bridge. Imagine, 50, 50. Imagine, the club, imagine the club golf day. Oh, it would be great <laughs> down at the Royal Melbourne. You know, Johnny A, Gareth Bale, Chris Palavanis. <laughs> Amazing. Us down there for the green room. Uh, Fantastic. Can only dream of such things. Alina on his Instagram story. Actually, you know, really? there's actually one club we're uh, missing. This, the obvious one is Eastern Lions. You know, they've got, they've got the Welsh background. <laughs> Gareth Bale and Ryan Losty up top and Chris Drewstus in the same lineup. What a team. Yes, the twins alongside oh, well, either the, side of him, Chris well, and Costas. Well, we know the other Drewstus is currently uh, a little bit scared of Pakur Frimpong right now <laughs> after an altercation down at Gardner's Creek Reserve. Hey, a few it, was, weeks it was a hot day. Tempers yes, were flaring. Was, it was, and uh, that certainly didn't make headlines. But anyways, um, Josh, in terms of... The other elephant in the room, you want to touch on this. You mentioned it before the show. Uh, David De Gea dropped mm. from the Spanish national team. Now, Spain were just playing a bunch of friendlies in this period of time. Um, we just followed Gea, the El Chiringuito rundown, by yeah, the way. That's and, a, that's a, <laughs> and De Gea was dropped. I mean, not even in the squad at all. Um, is this a sign of the times? Is his time in the Spanish national team potentially coming to an end? Just friendlies, so too yeah. early to say. But I think it's interesting that De Gea has been in as good a form as he ever has been in his entire career this season for Manchester United. That's been the yeah. underrated thing about, uh, because United have been terrible, but De Gea has been incredible. Yeah. The fact that they are even still in Champions League contention is largely down to De Gea. But he also has his limitations. Yep. He's not a sweeper keeper. He can't play with his feet. Nope. And he stays on his line. He would be the best futsal keeper of all time. He'd be unbelievable. But unfortunately, he's stuck on the outdoor pitch (laughs) where there's a a continuing trend of goalkeepers becoming the 11th outfielder. And Luis Enrique buys into this 110%. He's not willing to compromise in that position. And that's why De Gea was dropped for Unai Simon at the Euros. Yeah. And we all know how that went against Croatia. Unai Simon... Not a keeper who's good with his feet either, no. arguably. Uh, at Athletic Bilbao, he doesn't, they don't play that way. But Enrique seems to think he's seen enough in training to trust him on. Well, that he's role. gone with 
Unai Simon, David Raya, who is the Brentford goalkeeper, and Arnaud Tenas, who is the, I think, Barcelona B goalkeeper. Yeah, and Roberto... Um, Robert, Robert Sanchez, Robert Sanchez was, sorry. Was, got hurt. So that's why he was out of okay. Brighton. But, uh, Robert but Sanchez and David Raya were the first choices, and no one in Spain knows who they are because yeah. they play for small English clubs. <laughs> so there's all these yeah. pieces going around the Spanish newspaper. I was checking marker today. Who is David Raya? Who is Robert <laughs> Sanchez? And if you look at some of the more advanced stats that people look at to mm. judge goalkeepers... You know, there's the XG differential, like a post-shot XG differential, where it's it might like De Gea's miles ahead of the rest mm. of the goalkeepers but in the Premier League. It's not like David De Gea is old; he's 31. He's not, but there are other stats by which you can judge goalkeepers. There's things like pass completion, but mm. there's also how well you dominate your area. Yeah, how many crosses do you claim? How many chances do you prevent by coming through and sweeping? And in metrics like that, the best we can collect them. Mm. Robert Sanchez is way up, up there. there. Yeah. And he's the that's the reason but that that's the system as well, you know. You know, he he was playing in, in uh ahead of Matty Ryan and people got worked yeah. up about it, but he's actually a brilliant goalkeeper. He is. And David Ryan much the same in a very forward thinking uh, analytics based yeah. team in in Brentford. He's the same. So it's it's interesting to see Luis Enrique's priorities in that he's not just going to pick the the best player on paper in every position. He has a vision for the entire mm. team and he also judges players based on training sessions with the national team more than he does based on games. Well, you know what's interesting as well, Josh? He based on club picked, games, I If mean. you look at his recent call-ups, he has picked so many players. Mm. Heaps. He's been but, casting the net yeah, far and wide. he has been checking to see what is out there because I think he'd probably still see Euro 2020 as a real opportunity gone. Like, yes. That was a real good chance for Spain to take home some silverware. That... They would be kicking themselves that they didn't come away with more from that. They but you, were the better side against yeah, Italy they in the were. semifinal. They were, but Just also as Morata, well, you know, Morata and you Morata know, doing Morata things. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the uh, as in the words of um, Giorgio Chiellini, that's the uh, the story that? of the Italy. Uh, uh, that's the story of the Alvaro Morata. <laughs> um, but in terms of you know Spain going forward, look, this team is still absolutely just. They've got, you know, rivers of gold of talent right now, of players that didn't even get selected for the last lot of games. You know, I'm looking at these guys that didn't get selected, guys like, um, you know, Thiago and Fabian Ruiz and Brahim Diaz, uh, Sergio Canales, Rodrigo, Anzu Fati, obviously was injured, um, Mikel Oyarzabal, Adama Traore, Jared Moreno, Marco Ciarella, uh, Inigo Martinez, David De Gea, as you mentioned. This team is ridiculously stacked. So this team's really well, I think, really well poised for the World Cup coming up. And I think they should go in almost as a favourite, if not the favourites, because there's every reason to think that they could get it done if they, you know, pick the right team. I think that it's gonna. there's going to be a few... I wouldn't be surprised we get to around October, November, and there's going to be that article of one big player that gets left out and why is it going to be Sergio Busquets? Um and I think that we're going to start to see oh. that new ushering in of a new generation because we love Sergio. He's a real. He's he a real didn't get Sergio. picked for the last lot of games, so That's you true. know he's he's maybe they're they're trying to see who's next. Like mm. maybe it is Marcos Llorente, maybe it is Gavi, maybe he's looking to try something a bit different away from playing with a, a traditional six. Who knows? So it's going to be an interesting watch to see what happens with Spain going forward. But Josh, we're running out of time here. Uh, but club football is back this weekend. We're getting into now. The big one. This is the big stretch before the end of the season. Um, a lot of big games, title races at the ready. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Let's start off with Serie A because, again, that is probably the best title race. A lot out of all those European leagues right now. 
you just want a bit of a refresher. Milan, three points clear of Napoli. Into six a huge points, weekend. Into six points further behind with a game in hand. And Juve, seven points behind as well. But this weekend, look at these games. Sunday night, 11 p.m., Atalanta hosting Napoli. Monday morning, 4.45 a.m., Juventus taking on Inter. Massive, massive games. Inter and Napoli drop points. And Milan beats Bologna on Tuesday morning. Milan will have a six-point gap on top of the table. They'll be nine mm. points clear of Inter. Obviously, if Juventus win, they'll be seven points behind. But with seven games to go, they could really be on their way at that point. So that's going to be a really interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, this weekend, the best part is we get 8.30 p.m. kickoffs back with daylight savings coming to an end. So Sunday night, strap yourself in Fiorentina Empoli at 8.30, the Josh Berlante derby, who uh, <laughs> used to obviously play for both those teams. In La Liga this weekend... Real Madrid, they're on their way to the title right now. Nine points clear of Sevilla. But the race for second with Barca and Atleti back in some form is one to really keep an eye on. Madrid against Celta Vigo this weekend. Barcelona taking on Sevilla, though, is the pick of the bunch. 5 a.m. Monday morning. That is going to be a cracker. Atletico Madrid up in action against Deportivo Alaves. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on in that Barcelona game. Really going to be a cracking contest between the two of them. And in Germany, Dortmund playing Leipzig. That's um, probably going to be the decide. If yeah. Dortmund lose or don't win at all, they're probably mm. done. I mean, it's amazing they're still in the race, to be honest. Yeah. Against Bayern. We thought it was over. It almost is. It almost is. Uh, but if uh, if Leipzig takes something off them, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's probably, well, probably done. Josh, um, they play each other again. 24th of April. That's true. So there's one more meeting. So if they could just stay in with a bit of hope, like just keep it at an arm's length, they might be able to come into what, it in this last little bit. What I want to ask you is that Sunday late night into Monday early morning, you can't watch both. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. kill yourself for the work mm-hmm. week for mm-hmm. our listeners. So yeah. which one do you go for? Do you go for in terms of as a neutral? Yes, yes. In terms of what is going to be the best game? Is it Juve Inter with the big names or is it box office Atalanta Napoli? <laughs> Absolutely going out to Lanta Napoli. That's what I thought. Juventus Inter is going to be a shocker. Uh, it's culture terrorism. <laughs> it is going to be abhorrent football. Inter can't score. Juventus are just defending for their lives and playing off the break. It is going to <laughs> It's not going to be a good game. At least with Atalanta and Napoli, you know what you're going to get. Both teams playing on the front foot. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be end-to-end. It's going to be fun. There'll be a lot of goals, not a lot of defending. Mm. So that's definitely the one game to watch. So stay up on Monday, on uh, Sunday night. And if you have to go to work bleary-eyed, it'll be very much worth it. Catch up on the KO Mini on Juventus Inter is all I can say. Well, I think it's... Uh Primed for, well, what have we got in the Sunday kickoff in the in the A League? Well, the A League on Sunday we've got the MacArthur Bo- Perth Glory, Glory six twenty. Yep, right so, into TNC, right into, into the national <laughs> curriculum, and, and then, then into, into Atalanta Napoli. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. And you can simulcast TNC and Fiorentina Empoli for the Josh Berlante derby at the same time, <laughs> and that would be absolutely great. But anyways, Josh, time for us to wrap up here on this Monday night. Uh, missed any of the show? What stage of grief are you at? Uh, well, how many stages are there? Nine stages? Five. five. So what are the stages? Okay, so there's Let's, denial. Denial was, yeah, gone through that. There's I've depression. Ex- gone through that. There's bargaining. I think you might be at bargaining. I'm at bargaining. You're thinking, oh, I'm we not... won the Euros, maybe you yeah, take it. Yeah, 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 I think I'm at that stage. What's next? Oh, I can't remember. I think there's... it's acceptance. The acceptance is the last one. I think there's one in between. Yeah, I've missed one. Uh, maybe it's anger. I think it's I think it's denial, anger, depression, 
bargaining Denial, acceptance. anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I've gotten past denial because mm-hmm. I accepted it very early. <laughs> As in like I, I, I just, you know, actually, know I'm on denial early. stage. So I was like, no, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. Anger was straight afterwards. Yeah, I think we still got a little I bit of that today. I am in the bargaining slash depression stage at the okay. moment because there is a lot of still, I think that's really going to hit me um, with the depression side of things on Wednesday morning when especially if, like, as much as I'll be happy if Macedonia wins, there'll be part of me that just goes, <laughs> It was like there was, a, there was like a, a delayed stage of grief during the mm. 2018 World Cup watching Panama and, like, going, why are they here? They are terrible. It's a global game. I know. Yeah. And watching Tunisia and going, why? This is not it. I know it's a real Super League mentality, but why? Like this I, is th- I think it, it mightn't hit you until later this year when the tournament's actually happening. Yeah, but you know what, Josh? We'll just get worse if Australia don't make <laughs> it. And they probably won't. So I don't even know who to go for. So, Lockie... It, please, I need Scotland to make it. I am going full in on Fitba if they make it. I mean, they are Anatsuri, I guess. Yes, they they wear the blue. They hate England. So, you know what? It's as close, <laughs> close as you're going to get. That, that, that's it. I mean, my other nationality is Greece and Malta. Forget about them. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't, they, they don't have to worry about them. They're not even... They never had a chance. But anyways... Um, miss any of the show, make sure you head over to Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, catch up on all of that. Um, Josh, this week, what are we looking like for shows? So we've got uh, Oz Football Hour coming back tomorrow. Yep. We'll have Lots of dissect radio, d- radio Dub with a A-League Women's post-grand final chat, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be really exciting. The Green Room is going to be coming back. EPL nice. show back. Nice. We'll have a break from State of Our Football Nation this week as uh, George is away, but uh, we'll be doing the Lions Den live from BT, BT Connor Reserve uh, as an outside broadcast. Again, uh, this time going back to the regular time slot of 8 p.m. because there's no Socceroos game to worry about, yeah. thankfully. Thank so God. we're going 8 p.m. live from BT Connor Reserve. That's going to be super. And, it uh, could be very fun, especially after what might happen on Wednesday morning. If could they, get be, they could be seriously up and Are you about. going back on Wednesday? Oh, you better believe it, mate. Fantastic. Hey, I'd love to hear we, it. The footage we got on uh, if, last Wednesday, uh, last Friday was so so good, we can't miss it. If Macedonia wins, mm. I want there to be scenes. What's the street BT Connor Reserves on? Uh, Broadhurst Avenue, I think Broadhurst it's Broadhurst Avenue. Okay, let's say I want to see on Bell Street <laughs> the scenes we saw at Ligon, but just on freaking Bell Street and on Sydney Road. Just complete chaos. Hey, I want to see the. There's the All Masso Derby on Friday night. There you Prest- go. Preston, Preston Geelong, versus Geelong. The first home game. If Macedonia have qualified, it's going to be bonkers. There's going to be 5,000 people there. It's going to be nuts. Lucky, if we're not calling, I think we have to go. You got to go. Yeah, I think you got so. You got to be there. We're actually going to be. The, the, be the, the social yeah. club's going to be open for the first time in a long time. They're the 12th man, they're renaming it. Yep. And the new pavilions are uh, going to be showing off. It's going to be a huge the, crowd. I the think stars are aligning. We're going to be Macedonia we're, has to win on Wednesday. We're going to be doing a bit of color, a bit of crowd footage, put together a little documentary on the day as well. So it's going to be a big week in Preston. Mate. Macedonia has to win. The stars are just aligned too perfectly for what's coming afterwards. So we'll wait and see Wednesday morning. Can they do it in Lisbon? Let's hope. Ma ah, care. Yeah. The mood mood has changed it is to start the show. We'll see you next Monday. Sometimes I feel I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. (laughs) You 
don't have to get a bad attitude. You don't have to get a bad attitude. Attaccare! 